Hey, I'm back. Yeah, I like did a lot of recording today and I felt like I got really kind of out there in my mind with a lot of uh, possibilities and stuff. But just really, you know, honestly, it's really just reporting on almost everything that I've seen. And then some conjecture about who's in the middle of these communications. And, like, what it all represents. And then there was a few times where, I don't know, it was just, like, things I was talking about, really rare experiences and speculations, but not very out of the bounds of everything I was covering that was actually factual. It's just that I would say that, especially for me, it's like, I've been studying the world for like at least 15 or 17 years, like really deeply, figurative, but just looking at like, how could that have happened on earth? And then finding out all this stuff that came out of that, how could that have happened? And it's really easy to say what, how you know what that was. It was nanothermite. How could nanothermite have blown up the Twin Towers? And not only that, but how could nobody have really, really noticed at the mainstream media systems? And that's what really changed everything. And so for, you know, 15, 17 years, whereas maybe when I was 12, 14, 16, it was kind of like they're trying to brainwash us was sort of a slogan. After that, it was like, whoa. Not only are they trying to brainwash us, but they're killing us. And they're lying about it. Or us being the people and stuff. They blew up 3,000 people. Or the apparitions. Perhaps carefully crafted aliases of people. On September the 11th, 2001. And I don't know because I wasn't there. Long before deep fakes. Just fake people. I mean, Operation Northwood said carefully prepared aliases. That was 1962. I don't know who died on 9-11. And then it was just like, well, then how the fuck did they get away with that? And back to like L. Paul Bremer at NBC Universal Rockefeller Center. And just like, who booked him? And Ehud Barak at the BBC. Who booked him? But once I found out that Ehud Barak and Daniel Lewin were both in the same special forces unit from Israel, it was like pretty much a solved case. And like, not that I solved it, but some other people solved it. And I looked at it, I was like, that's fucking pretty much open and shut right there. The statistical rarity of that happening on accident, that's it. I don't even need to elaborate. I mean, not that I really need to do anything, but if that logic isn't conclusive to many... This isn't really a trial right now. This is more just a recollection. Alright, you fucking crows. Why are you making so much noise? Got a murder of crows around these parts.
Today just felt like a bad day. I like started to get kind of creeped out. It was all kind of around this one guy. He's like, I was looking at him. I was like, man, that guy's kind of cool. I was like, I think I've, I know I've seen him around town probably for years. And I didn't have a feeling of ill will towards him. But then when he started talking to his girlfriend, I was like, man, this guy's so... There, There's like this whole, you know, I don't want to say class, but there's this whole cast or troop of people who are like, like seriously way more into meth and jail and prison and tattoos and bikes and stuff. I mean, I call them tweakers, but you can call them whatever you want, but it's hard sometimes to even tell like if they're actually not on tweak or if they stopped using tweak. I mean, I can't tell, but I, I don't know. God, it's just, I don't really want to position myself versus them or anything, but it's like, I don't think I'm a tweaker. But at the same time, one thing I noticed today was that I was drinking coffee again and I was feeling like a tweaker because I'm like, I'm all paranoid about everything and I'm sick of looking at tweakers everywhere I go. But then I'm like, dude, I'm the one that's tripping. You know, most of those people, not today anyway, they weren't bugging me. It's just, I'm just sick of seeing all these really erratic, strange, sunburned fucking weirdos everywhere I go. The California raisins, I'm sick of them, dude. But then I was walking downtown and I was also sick of all the stupid Santa Cruz people like the, the ponytails and the hippie shit and all the fucking lamos. I'm like, dude, fuck, I'm sick of all these people. And I think part of it is I'm just not eating very much or enough. Well, so I went, I was walking through downtown and I was like looking for food at the very end of it because I'm like, you know, obviously I'm way hungrier than I usually am. So I get fiercer and fiercer. <laughs> but I'm not yet starving or anything. I mean, I eat pretty well every day. I just, I kind of have to work and find it a little more. And I'm not even going to soup kitchens, which is just random. I just coincidentally ran out of food stamps and, well, started drinking coffee again and decided I didn't really want to go to soup kitchens as much as I was. So it was like, it all sort of shifted for me. But I've been having like a lot of luck just like looking around for food and finding it. So it's not even that bad. Literally, I'm getting probably about the same amount of calories, almost, maybe a little less, but but like when I'm looking for food, I'm fucking fierce, and I'm usually in kind of a bad mood. But um, I would say lucky for me today, I got to the north end of the avenue, and they were still giving out food at this place, and it was seemed like it was, they usually shut down 45 minutes before I got there. But uh, it seemed like they were going double time. And anyway, lucky me, I got to get some free food from them. And I was like, well, that's just in time because I was getting fucking ferocious and I hadn't really eaten very much. So, Anyway, today was just trippy, though, because, like, it was kind of, yeah, about that guy I saw this morning, and he was talking to his girlfriend about somebody in town, some guy. They're like, oh, what does he think he is, like a big shot or something? They didn't say that exactly, but I at first I totally thought they were talking about someone else, but then I was like, damn, 
you know, when are they all going to turn on me? Because, like, I feel like I'm the only good guy around here. Not that they're all bad. And even if they smoke meth, like, recreationally and they're not robbing people and shit, I mean, they're pretty, it's pretty much their own business for sure. Like, I don't judge that necessarily, but it's not my, it never was my drug of choice. But it just seems like there's a lot of crime that goes along with these types of people. And I'm like, fuck. It's creepy. So I started tripping out on it in the history of injustice in this county, which I think I've seen a, a few cases of that are, like, really central. And I was just talking to this woman yesterday about that stuff, too. And Well, we kind of shared some stories, and, like, she had a different perspective, but it was weird how we had a few, few uh, people in common. But then I'm like, well, it is a small county. You know, and it's like, she mentioned... You know, my friend's dad, my old friend's dad, the guy I grew up knowing, he's an attorney, but, and, she, and I mentioned the neurosurgeon, and she knew that guy. He had actually operated on her. And so we both shared different conversations about justice and <clears throat> the miscarriage of justice or whatever, talking about people we think are getting, like, railroaded, or, like, they're not getting fair trials. And, like, we were both talking that we think there's, like, frame jobs going on a lot, but... I was listening to her opinions, and then I was sharing mine, and I was like, I didn't fully like her sense of logic on it, but I was like kind of following her ideas, and I'm like, yeah, you know, and then checking my own ideas a little bit, too, it's like, it's just like, we have optional speculation about potential, maybe based on some fact or just sense, too, like there's just a sense, and then in some history, there seems to be some real screwy cases around here that are just like I think are really suspicious about what's really going on around here but she had her whole her whole opinion on that too like what's really going around here she thinks it's just a persistent operation to just frame people and screw them basically well like her full stories and logic didn't quite persuade me that she was very logic-based, so I was like, yeah, I can see, like, kind of why you believe that or something, but it's not, <sighs> I don't know, and then, I mean, I could have a little skepticism on my trip, too, but, but, like, I don't know, I've seen a lot of things, and I'm like, I'm not really super, super thrilled about some ways that things are around here. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of things, actually. That I've seen stuff up close that makes me just not trust that some people are really defending us. Damn, fucking tweakers, dude. Yeah, it's kind of hard to live off-grid, right in the middle of the grid. <laughs> but those are just kind of... Oh, I didn't even... Oh, maybe I did get my favorite podcast today. If it came down automatically... Oh, that'd be so nice. I could use... Uh, they even have a phrase for it, like their slogan, which is 
what is it, their weekly dose of sanity or something like that? Or you guys keep me sane? I'm like, yeah, I could really use a little time just laying back listening to those guys because, like, the familiarity of listening to their show just take me out of my own personal trip and solipsism. And also, I just need to lay down at about this time every day. I'm a little bit late on my schedule, but I woke up late, too. I don't want this tweaker to see me, dude. Go on with your bad self. Dude, kook, just go on with yourself, man. I'm going to have to go in here. I don't want him to see my bush. He's like, duh, nerp. I gotta start putting backwards fucking shoe horseshoes on my feet to fucking throw these tweakers off my tracks. Not even kidding, dude. I'm gonna walk sideways for a while just in case he's fucking looking at me. Go somewhere else. Not that they'll probably even come down to my camp, but these fucking kooks are so goofy, dude. It's like exhausting. But especially on the weekend. Oh, I should call them Tweekend Warriors. Because, like, I've been thinking it's like it's like a joke. It's like the Weekend Warriors, which I don't even notice that as a concept. Weekend Warriors. But I just see, like, a ton of tourists all the time. But then there's the Tweekend Warriors, too, because they're just, like, literally out on the Tweekend. Like, way more than normal. I don't want this guy to see my shit, dude. <clears throat> I don't know if I can skip in before he notices or if he'll look up right in time and see me. Shit. Oh, well. This will just hazard a fucking venture. I feel like he's just going to hear me right when I walk in. Oh, thank God he turned around. Oh, good. My spot's so good, too. Fuck yeah. Lucky me. I mean, there's like some uh, just statistics that make this spot like a little bit better than my other ones. I mean, in some ways. I had this one really good spot, but they cut down the bushes. This one, I mean, I'm, from one side, you can't even see it. From the other side, you can't even see it. But that doesn't matter so much as like, because anybody could jump in this bush. But it's just like, I guess it's statistics like, Statistically, there's less passerby on this side, and it's the farthest point of some particular relationship to some tweaker source sources. So it's like, it's, in some ways, it's like statistically less likely, of course, that tweakers will come here. It just happens to be, and it's right in the middle of everything too. But that's not to say. I mean, I, tweakers could come by at any fucking time and get in this fucking place. I could come back and see somebody masturbating with some Crisco or jamming a dildo up his ass or with needles in his fucking eyeball. Anything could happen around here. But these tweakers aren't really pervert tweakers. They're more just like needle tweakers, like super poor, dumb, crazy fucks who just like do weird things with like tools and rocks and stuff, and they're always carrying a whole bunch of heavy stuff. They're weirdos, man. Total weirdos. 
Maybe I should just start calling them kooks instead of tweakers, but I don't surf, so I don't really like calling people kooks. Man. Somebody called me a kook when I was young, too, and I just... I thought that was so lame. Like, I, I, I waved my hand at this guy that I thought, you know, that I was kind of pals with because he worked where I worked, or he was friends with the people I worked with. And I could hear him from, you know, yards away going, oh, who's this kook? And I'm like, dude. So when I walked up to him, I was like, well, now I know what you think of fucking people who are trying to be friendly to you. I don't think that guy's still lives there. But maybe he does. I didn't like that. You know, my whole Santa Cruz spirit thing is like not being fucking mean to people who are being nice to me. I don't I don't do that. Like if someone's being nice to me, like if someone has a genuine kindness or joy, as long as they're not trying to I don't know, put me in danger or they're not gonna put me in danger or something like that. Who knows? Like I'm never gonna be rude and mean to a person who's nice. God dang, that's fucking, that's just, I don't know, I just think that's dumb. Like, beyond dumb, it's just like, it's like chauvinistic, it's like territorial, it's the beginning of enmity, it's fucking dumb, I hate people like that. I mean, those guys that I used to work with, they're like, dude, we gotta, we gotta protect the point from like the, the kooks or the outsiders. Actually, looking back, the main guy that said that, he wasn't even from this county. But in my opinion, they had to protect the fine crest of the wave, probably at Steamer's Lane, from outsiders. And, like, they'd use fists to do it, maybe worse. I don't know. I didn't find that to be super exciting at all. I was never that territorial over a wave. The one thing, if I had been a surfer, and I never was, was, like, if there's an order, like, that guy goes first, that guy goes first, second, after, like, they swam out to the wave first, which I never learned that. One time I got shamed by a girl who... I mean, she was surfing, I was in her way, and she's like, you're out, get out of my way! Like, I just never, nobody told me what to do. Nobody told me there was an order on the waves. She was, she was a way better surfer than me. I don't, I don't think I should be ashamed just because she was a girl. But I was just ashamed because I wasn't, like, so local to the west side that I didn't, I never learned how to surf when I was a kid. And so every time I tried to surf, it was just, like, a drag. But it was also so fucking incredibly cold that, I mean, nowadays, I don't even care about trying to surf in fucking Santa Cruz. Like, if I ever try to surf again, I'm going to go to warm waters, and that's that. I'd love a nice break or an easy break. Like, Callus has a nice easy break. It's, like, totally cool, but I don't I just don't find myself interested in donning any kind of wetsuit to fucking get out in that cold-ass water. But I can see, like, why my self-esteem just never really was that proud of myself for not learning how to surf. It's kind of like being from Texas and... Never having been a cowboy or something. Who knows? I don't know what it's like. It's kind of like being from New York and never having been in the mob. It's like, hey, are you in the mob? No. They're like, oh. It's like, hey, you from Santa Cruz? You never surfed? Oh. Did you surf? I'm like, no. Duh. Oh. Like, I just never learned how to surf. I tried. I mean, there's a big part of me that still wants to learn how to surf, but I just kind of... I don't give a fuck so much that I want to get in cold-ass water. That's the thing for me. When I was in Hawaii, I was getting excited to learn how to surf. and then But I got robbed. The water was fucking perfect, but the fucking criminal street person that fucking robbed me was not perfect. So, whatever. Someday maybe I'll get back to Hawaii. 
I wouldn't mind trying to surf there again. It was sad, you know, like I wanted to learn to surf in Hawaii and I had enough time and stuff, but I, I was so protective of my phone and the tech thing and the documentary that I was trying to do with my constant video recording and stuff. I was so attached to that stuff that I didn't focus enough on the surfing. And ironically, after I was completely robbed of everything, I actually just went to the beach one time and this guy let me use his surfboard. He was a sur- he was renting surfboards, but he was like, well, you can take that one for free. And I was just like, wow, that's like some classic Hawaii experience where everything was gone and then I was given a surfboard, at least for the day. And, um, you know, I'd love to go back and, like, rent the board from that guy. And it's like, I wish, kind of wish I had gotten into that, like, right away. And I, start, I actually started crying when I was out there in the ocean because I just felt like it was such a a weird turn of events to bring me to that moment where all I had wanted to do when I went to Hawaii was learn how to surf. And then it took me like just randomly, like I was trying to put it together with my welfare and everything, but it was what I was going to do is rent a little space to lock up a surfboard. They have these spaces. And like, so I was going to use some welfare to do that. Then I was going to buy a surfboard and chain it to the position. Cause I didn't know where to keep a board when I was living in the bush or in the parks, and I didn't even really need a wetsuit, because the water's warm enough, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't quite figure it all out, I mean, it's a lot, it's kind of like, logistically, it's a lot to, like, surf, especially if you're homeless, but, um, that was just ironic, I got, like, that close to it, my sister was, like, saying the whole time, she's like, why don't you just get a job at a surf shop, and then I was like, well, because I don't really feel like that guy, I don't really, like, feel like a surfer, bro, who's, like, going to be working in a surf shop and telling people what to do, and I don't even know how to surf myself. But she probably was right. I probably could have done something like that and just sort of adjacent to a surf shop or just, like, if they asked me if I, you know, why do you want to work here if you don't surf, I'd just try to work at the next job over. Well, I guess I'll make you guys tacos or something until I can fucking surf. It was kind of like that movie. What is that movie called? Um... The one with the guy from the, the 1980s. Not Point Break, but... You call that a wave? It's more like a ripple, mate. That's not a wave, that's a ripple. Uh, I forget what that movie's called. But I can totally remember it. But it was like that. It was like trying to, like get into like the surf it wasn't that bad because i didn't get beat up but i didn't even try any breaks besides waikiki which was good enough for me little waves coming in i wish that i'd had a little more time to do that in fact i almost stayed but i was losing my mind because i didn't have enough food and there wasn't a lot of free food in honolulu there was some which was cool like i mean that there is even soup kitchens but like, this one place, you could go in the morning, you could get, like, cereal, coffee, milk, donuts, and it's in uh, Chinatown, but, and you can even go for dinner, I think, and I kind of could have easily centered around that, I did when I was starving, but I felt like I wasn't getting enough food there, I mean, all that sugar and junk in the morning and coffee was, like, all a lot of fun, but it was also, like, I was so hungry, like, I would just, like, and then there was another place, I think you could get dinner at the other place, and they'd give you, like, a little wad of pasta and, like, a cup of water and stuff, and it was, like, that was not enough. And they gave you some other stuff, but it was, like, it was, like, worse than jail. Like, the portions were just, like, minimal nutrition, like, not even satiating compared to a lot of soup kitchens around here and stuff where, like, 
like in LA or Skid Row and even here, like you can get like full meals. Like you have no problem getting fed enough, but there, there was just like this meager little portions and it was like, no offense, but it was like, it just wasn't enough for me to, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was getting enough calories. So like every day, even though I was going to the soup kitchens I could go to, I thought, I think I was going to the main ones. I felt like I had to run around Chinatown looking in garbage cans. Not run around, but just lurk, lurk around and go to garbage cans like all day. And I, but I was also like really disoriented because I had been like robbed, and like I'm pretty sure I knew the guy who did it because he I'd see him, and uh, he's a fucking douchebag. Oi. Okay, I hate saying oi, but I'm gonna pull out my bed real quick and. Kind of get this thing together. Maybe I'll just like lay on my bed for a while and just kind of lay on the fucking. Alright, I'll just chill for a bit. Kick back. I don't know, man. I don't even know who I'm talking to out there. It's like. You know, I've always kind of been sad that I never surfed very much. I tried a few times and stuff, but it was always, it always kind of felt like such a failure in my life. But that was, like, why I wanted to go to Hawaii and just, like, finally, like, confront my previous failures. Because, like, for me, like, especially surfing in Santa Cruz, it's like, the water is too fucking cold for me. I know, obviously, there's a bunch of men and women who brave the cold waters and, like, make a, make a go at it and learn to surf here and surf well, but... I just, I'm, like, especially sensitive to cold, I think. Like, maybe more than other people, or maybe not, and maybe I just never learned to overcome it. But, like, my feet used to go numb, and, like, look at the bottom of my feet. There's, like, no blood in my feet. And it's like, I'm just like, no, man, this is fucking stupid. Like, it just didn't work for me, you know? I, I guess if you, like, have a lot of energy, and maybe you're running and pumping a lot of blood and stuff, like, maybe that won't happen to you, but... I just, it didn't work for me. And somewhere along the way, I'm like, the logic of, like, swimming and surfing in cold water to me is, like, inane. And I'm like, dude, as soon as I found out that there was hot water or warm water in, in Hawaii and I could surf there, I'm like, why not just go to fucking where it's warm? That makes so much more sense. It makes absolutely more sense. And there's other warm water breaks, I'm sure, around the world, maybe in Mexico and stuff, but... I just haven't had the opportunity to try to get down there just just to surf, because surfing has never been like my major priority in life. But I thought that hanging out in Hawaii on food stamps and surfing sounded like a good idea, which is why I went there. But I was even still on probation, so I kind of thought that I knew I had to come back anyway. Although I probably didn't. I probably could have convinced the judge to let me go live there, but I just. Um, whatever. It was a long story. Probation was hard for me. I didn't quite understand how to run it. I didn't realize that I could probably just have moved myself no matter what. I thought I had to have somebody accept me back into a new county, which maybe someone told me, maybe not, but like my mom wouldn't even let me use her address to come back to this county. And I, I just found that to be so fucking like exactly like my mom to be like all loving and stuff. And then to like leave me hanging, like, when all she needed to do was say that I was going to be here in Santa Cruz, like, like, ostensibly at her address, although I guess it might have been a deviation of order to, for her to suggest, or to agree to that while I was still going to live outside, so, 
But I would have told the judge, I'd be like, I'm going to be outside. Like, I have to be outside. I mean, I don't, I mean, I told them then I'm homeless. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just been such a long story. There's just nothing I could have done. I'm just, I have a disability, or I did then. And I kind of still have it, but it seems like it's, like, potentially reduced. Like, especially, it just seems like it's, I don't know. It's hard to say, like, if I'm still disabled, because it's, like, it when I'm in the, the state, it's, like, I have my disability, like, often, but then I'm not constantly disabled. And it's, like, it's regular and often enough, I mean, irregular, but, like, reliably disabling enough that I feel like I can't do full-time work or even necessarily, like, substantial part-time work. But that doesn't mean I can't work at all. But that's the I, the difficult thing about paying rent and, like, having a job, which, honestly, I don't even want to do anyway. I just don't want to do that anyway because the more I think about it and I've been living this way for so long, it's like, dude, I don't want to work two or three days a week just to pay rent. It's just... You know, it's just a fucking loss. It's such a loss. Such a loss. But if I had, like, nice four walls around me and some windows and a nice bed and a clean sheet, yeah. You know, that'd be nice. And you can do a bunch of things in your room. Like, the thing I miss is having sex with females. And then I could make music. I could strum a guitar. I could record a guitar. I could make better recordings. I could maybe have a keyboard. I'd like to have a couple posters on the wall just to, like, lean back against the wall and stare at some posters and I just it's just little little thing that seems kind of fun to me i don't get to put posters on walls when i live outside and i don't have any walls i can do pretty much everything else i can lean back listen to music i can even strum a guitar if i got one but i'd have to protect it ah, anyway i'm just complaining i'm not even complaining so much as just describing this life and my lifestyle right now though i'm leaning back and i'm like pretty comfortable, and I'm getting ready to eat some food, thank goodness that I got food today, because like, you know, I was just lucky I, I did go to the charity, I mean, charity's been available to me, like, every day of the past two weeks, but I just have been, like, randomly, like, averse to going, and then sort of, like, persistently averse to going, once I realized I didn't exactly have to go, and every time I can walk down the avenue or something, and just snag some free food, which is almost every day, I'm like, I'd rather do that than go to the soup kitchen, although I end up with, like, varieties of food and not as much sometimes, and I do probably want to start going back to the soup kitchen probably next week, but it's kind of gone along with drinking a lot of coffee, too, where in the morning, you know, I do kind of like going to McDonald's, I skipped it yesterday, but, and then by the time I'm, like, caffeinated, and it's just sometimes about 11.30 or... I'm like, damn, I'm not really hungry. I don't want to eat now. And, you know, they serve at noon, so. But I think I do really well when I'm not drinking coffee. I often go to the library for two hours in the morning, and I don't spend a dollar. And then I patiently walk over and get to the soup kitchen, like, almost exactly the right time I want to be there. And then I bounce usually right after, or I help clean up. Like, that is a good routine for me, and I kind of feel like I want to go back to that. But it's like, while I have this money to drink coffee, I'm like, um, on the other hand, you know, this is, it's not the worst way of life to drink coffee and then search for food. Like, I actually kind of enjoy it. Ow. And then I was just, today, you know, whatever, I think it's just like, I guess I'm into whatever option. There's a guy with the surfboard. Uh, 
Oh, yeah, that reminds me of, like, I think it was two years ago I was here. I was living on the other side of the river. Maybe it was two years ago or maybe last year. I think it was two years ago. Maybe it was the same time. And then I found a surfboard. I found a big foam surfboard. And so I brought it back to my camp, and I tried to I put it near my spot. And then I think someone grabbed it, but they, like, threw it in a bush nearby. And I found it again, and I was like, okay, I'm going to keep it there. But, and then the rangers came, because I think they saw it, too. And so they came back. I think that's why they came to my camp. And that was a difficulty. But then someone stole it again out of the bush. It was just like, you know, I, I it was a similar thing where I had that moment. I had a surfboard, and I was like, okay, well, I could go right now and surf, but I didn't have a wetsuit. But I, and then I did have, like, two wetsuits. Like, I had one up in the hills that I found, and I hit it. And then there was, like, another one somewhere, but it's like I didn't quite have it all together. And, like, by the time I did, someone had stolen the surfboard. But, like, I had one day where I was like, I could just go to the fucking beach and try to surf on this thing. But I don't think I had a wetsuit that day, and I was like, it's just, it's too fucking cold. Like, if that had been in Hawaii, I would have been, like, going straight to the beach at that point. But, and maybe I could have slept on my board every night. But, anyway, I don't know how I'm ever going to learn to surf. But maybe next time if I go to Hawaii, maybe I'll have welfare or maybe I'll have SSI or maybe I'll just have some savings. Because, like, if I if I saved up, like, a thousand bucks, I could go to just live in Honolulu. Maybe that next time, I think next time I'll just leave my tech at home. And, like, maybe have a return ticket and then keep my um, stuff, like, really well hidden in the bushes and have a backup plan. Which is not impossible to imagine. I could put that all together with, like, a thousand bucks, but then airfare there and back. I mean, it's not that hard. I could do that, but I just, honestly, I don't really care. And the main other thing about Honolulu that I didn't like is that there's these crazy huge centipedes that live out in the bushes. And, like, they're fucking scary. And allegedly they bite. And I met a guy that got bit by them. He said it's killer. Like, it's super poisonous. And they're these creepy fucking huge centipedes. They're bigger than my dick. They're fucking huge. I mean, bigger than my erect penis. There's big old red wiggling centipedes. I mean, they're the creepiest fucking thing in the world. And they're poisonous. They don't kill you necessarily, but they hurt. And then there's, you know, some tweakers and thieves. That one guy, man, that fucking made me so mad. Ugh. Pretty sure I know who did it, too. And, like, ugh, I don't even like saying this, but, like, I definitely have thought about going back and, like, you know, dealing him a fatal blow with projectile. Just because he's like, what a piece of shit. You know, but there's that whole culture out there where, like, they mock you for being from the mainland and they call you Howley or whatever. And that guy's, like, basically half white anyway, I think. And, like, I think he kind of fiercely adopted this nativist anti-mainland thing because he's just, that's his whole thing. I think he was, like, an army brat or something, maybe. Half white, half, half Japanese or something, or partial. And I just, I just psychologically profiled the guy after, like, seeing him and stuff. I kind of got this idea that he's just resentful and kind of spoiled, but just living on the street. Maybe he was a Micronesian, but he looked like a white, half-white American or something. But I don't know. It just it seems strange, though. I was, now that I was thinking about it, I'm like, wait a minute. I also heard that my cousin, who's, like, 10 or 15 years older than me, 
is was actually out there and homeless in Honolulu as well, which is super weird because he used to be in the Navy and then he was into stock trading and stuff during the dot-com bubble. And I think he had a bad year. You know, I think he lost some people's money, which is sad. But, like, I learned that lesson about him. And that's why I never tried to get family and friends' money into the stock market because I didn't want to have that happen. But it was ironic that, like, he ended up being homeless in Honolulu as well because I'm like, wow. Because he's a smart dude. Well, he'd had a problem with alcohol, but... um. But he is a smart guy, and it was just—it's so weird. I, it made me think about my family because he's my mother's sister's son, and then I'm—you know—I'm native to California too. And it's like our family like used to be rich and stuff, but like the fact that both of us became homeless and we both wound up in Honolulu—it just sounded so ironic. And like I didn't know he was there, and it kind of made me resentful, like about my family and stuff, and just how the women—they're always like screeching for like more and stuff, sort of, but. It seems like it, but then we're, like, left out just, like, going, like, what the fuck are we supposed to do? Like, what are we supposed to do? Like, we're stuck on the Pacific Coast. And that makes me, like, really resentful of the fucking New Yorkers and the people in Washington, D.C. Just, like, giving themselves millions of dollars through the fucking Federal Reserve constantly. And I'm just like, dude, I'm, like, beyond mad. Way beyond mad. Oh, yet to conjure then and to contemplate about what actually is wealth, monetary supply aside, it's like, I'm almost in an absolutely perfect state of whatever, stasis, like I have like nature, I have warmth, I have food, I have utility, I have tools, I have entertainment. I can make music, I can make videos, I can do comedy, I can do web design. I've got plenty of people around me all the time, that some of whom I like, some of whom I don't like, but that's usually depending on what mood I'm in. And that's not even like everything I have. Like I have like every opportunity about about me, except for some due to my physical limitations, I guess. And so that's all good. It's just I don't even really have any money. But I even I do have a little money right now, which is just a gift. And then I have a little bit of food stamp money. Anyway, I feel like I'm getting more focused on, like, getting, like, not just a job, but, like, a series of, like, little odd jobs for clients and stuff. I think, I don't want to predict, try to predict the future or obligate myself, but I just, I can feel myself getting more and more ready to become useful and try to get paid for it. But I'm also, like, still more focused on, like, Today, I don't even want to talk about it. I'm going to stop talking.